0: and they exposed ordinary bacteria, which you and I have in us right now, and they used the second generation, 2G, and also a Wi-Fi router. And what they saw was that the bacteria became antibiotic resistant, which is more than a science fiction nightmare, you know. Hello,
1: this is Dr. Deva Nagula. Welcome to From Doctor to Patient, where our goal is to bring you topics of discussion that will educate you on the various healing modalities to help balance the mind, body, and spirit. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another podcast from doctor to patient. Today, I'm joined with Ali Johansson, who is with us from Sweden. He is a PhD and a global authority in the field of EMF radiation and health effects. He originally coined the term screen dermatitis, which became recognized as the functional impairment known as electrohypersensitivity. Survey studies show that somewhere between 230,000 and 290,000 Swedish men and women out of a population of 10 million report a variety of symptoms when in contact with electromagnetic field sources. In 2000, the diagnosis of electrosensitivity was officially recognized by the Swedish government as a disability, which may interfere with daily functioning and qualifies for both medical care and the provision of an electrosmog-free working environment. He is a past associate professor at the Karolinska Institute, Department of Neuroscience, and head of the Experimental Dermatology Unit as a guest and adjunct professor in basic and clinical neuroscience at the Royal Institute of Technology Stockholm. He's published more than 600 original articles, reviews, book chapters, and conference reports within the field of basic and applied neuroscience, dermatology, epidemiology, and biophysiology. Ali, welcome. Thanks, thank you for joining thank us you. this morning,
0: or thank this afternoon you. for you. <laughs> it is afternoon here, right. Thank you very much for that introduction. Thank you. You're very welcome. So, I
1: am fascinated by EMFs. I've been reading a little bit about it, and with the rollout of 5G. Uh, it's pretty much a hot topic which we 'll delve into later on in this podcast but let 's just briefly dig into the science and like explain like what is uh, EMF my understanding you know it 's a type of radiation that 's emitted, and we have two types of radiation there 's ionizing and non ionizing and x rays are typically known as the ionizing, which can cause the DNA damage that may cause mutations in things like cancer so This other type of radiation is non-ionizing, and that's where the EMFs uh, typically are
0: categories under, correct? Yes. Uh, All of it is actually electromagnetic fields of different frequencies. Some of them have enough energy to directly damage chemical bonds and ionize molecules. Others uh, work by other mechanisms, but uh, you know, the border between non-ionizing and ionizing radiation is actually quite wide. And there is a uh, discussion because with non-ionizing radiation, you do see also effects that you classically would say only ionizing radiation could uh, have. And now you see that also with non-ionizing. The question is, of course, if the non-ionizing radiation, like from a cell phone, could interfere with other molecular and cellular processes, including, for instance, uh, um, damage repair that may be halted or reduced when you're exposed to all this energy. And of course, with the electromagnetic fields we're talking about, uh, they are artificial. And they often have a completely other type of frequency Uh, modulation, pulsation, polarization, etc. So they are generally not seen before here on this planet at all. And uh, frequency is just one of many characters to describe a certain electromagnetic signal. And it uh, then also starts, for instance, if you look at uh, the World Health Organization, uh, they have cancer classified already in the year 2001. Uh, so-called power frequent magnetic fields, which is a long term for household electricity and its association with childhood leukemia. And that uh, connection still stands. And 10 years later on, by 2011, they also cancer classified uh, radio frequent fields, including all types of communicative uh, signals we use, like for cell phones and tablets and wireless internet, uh, and its association with certain brain tumors. And a lot of the discussion right now is also not only about 5G, as you said, but also 4G, 3 d 2G, and all other types of signals and their association with, for instance, um, brain tumors. And today I had an extremely interesting call because, you know, the World Health Organization, um, it's actually a very narrow type of organization. Uh, It should maybe be called the... World Human Health uh, Organization and the call today was from a person that is very engaged in the health of um, pets like dogs, cats and so forth and where is the corresponding authority that actually protects your dog or your horse or a guinea pig and to the best of my knowledge there is no such overall umbrella for all these pets or livestock or wildlife And uh, when you go to laboratory experiments, you realize that, wow, they are all at jeopardy. And a lot of the sort of common discussion worldwide is not only about human beings, but also about, for instance, pollinators. And uh, I think it was 2018 that Germany reported more than 75% reduction in pollinators including honeybees and similar. And that's just a catastrophe, of course. And when you go to science, then you would find, and I have to point out, those papers are maybe not as good as I want them to be, Uh, but uh, we have um, urged different organizations to try to replicate them. But nevertheless, when you place, for instance, a cell phone close to a beehive, the queen will gather its workers, leave the beehive and not return. Uh, We cannot do the same, you know, we cannot sort of flee the city or flee the uh, town we are living in. But uh, honeybees, they definitely don't like this. And myself and a Belgian professor, we did some years ago a very interesting experiment using ants. And you can have ants on a big, big table and they will organize the table with the part where they sleep, where they eat and so forth. And when you place a cell phone just in standby mode, it's waiting for a call. The ants that normally would travel between the different rooms, uh, they would more often stop and then look up and look around. Uh, They would scan the environment and then they would walk, stop, look up, around. So they are obviously irritated or excited by something. And the only thing you have added are the electromagnetic fields from a standby phone. And um, it's extremely interesting to see in further experiments that, for instance, if you place the cell phone under uh, the room where they keep their babies, their uh, eggs, um, and uh, immediately they would start moving the eggs away diagonally over this very big table, and they would instead push their toilet on top of the cell phone. And the cell phone is under the table. They cannot see it, they cannot in any way know what it is, and still they react to something. And the only thing we can imagine this something to be are the electromagnetic fields, of course.
1: Mm-hmm. That's, that's fascinating. And this is all through um, some sort of cell phone signal, right? So we are constantly around cell phones. And you know, as many years have passed with technology and its innovations, we live through our smartphones and cell phones. And the telecommunication industry allows us to do this. And there's really no stipulations that these types of devices can harm our health. But yet the World Health Organization has actually stated that cell phones are considered as a class 2B carcinogen And that was labeled in 2011. So why isn't more information or more issues being brought out by the telecommunication industry to help us really prevent any issues, prevent any harm from these signals?
0: Well, I I agree with you to 100%, but maybe it's not really the responsibility for the telecom industry. And just as a sidetrack, remember that the telecom industry is selling all these gadgets to us as safe they do not in any way take any legal responsibility for them, which is in a sense more telling than any test tube or uh, mice I could show to you right now. And I had recently a very good example. I was traveling with a commuter train here in Stockholm. Uh, next to me sat a very posh lady in her 60s and she was uh, using her smartphone. And since no one knows who I am, you know, I always uh, take the chance to lean forward and say, Hey, do you know the World Health Organization in Geneva, Switzerland? They have cancer classified the signals coming to this phone. Um, did you know that? And she got really angry with me and told me that I was just stupid. I didn't know what I was talking about. You know, I should mind my own business and so on. But I said, Please, please, please be careful here now. You have a smartphone. Why don't you Google? W-H-O, brain tumor and cell phone. She did. And she was silent like for four, five minutes. And then she slowly looked up and said to me, wow, you are actually right. I'm sorry I yelled at you. You are 100% right. But why haven't mother and father sort of Our government and parliament and health authorities in Sweden informed me, she said. I'm not only a mother, I'm also a grandmother. And I'm really getting angry now, she said. Why didn't they inform me as a citizen here in this democracy? And I said, yeah, that's really the head of the nail you're hitting there. And you should contact them. You should ask them questions oh, I will, she said, and then we separated because I had to leave the train. But you see, this kind of discussion is, I would say, the most common counter question I get from particularly concerned parents and or grandparents, and they get really angry with the situation when they discover that A, it's cancer classified, B, The telecom manufacturers and operators do not take any form of responsibility, as are not not a single insurance or reinsurance company in the world. They have all the and ship, and many of them more than 20 years ago, and the consumers don't know a thing. And I remember I was at a conference in London 2002, and at that conference was, for instance, Lloyd's UK, which is the largest Uh, insurance dealer in the world, uh, Swiss Ria from Switzerland, which is the largest reinsurance company, and a lot of other companies, including a small one from Sweden, you know. And uh, they were all saying that for them, it wasn't a question whether it was dangerous or not. And this is nearly 20 years ago, you know. For them, it was obvious that it was dangerous. And the question was, who is going to pay for this in the future? when all the health claims uh, should be dealt with, and they didn't want to take that responsibility. And they didn't do anything illegal because they are private enterprises, you know. They decide themselves if they want to insure or not. But many people, like in Sweden, I would say everyone, uh, they believe that by having uh, assurance of some type, they are protected against health issues from, for instance, their cell phone but they are more naked than any baby ever was, you know, so no way. And when you tell people this, then they get the same kind of very good questions as you have.
1: Yeah, that's interesting because insurance companies are in the business of making money. So if they're not going to cover issues that are arising from EMF stress, then we know that it's a losing battle for them because they know that the EMF stress on, on our bodies is very harmful, and they know yeah. that this is this is a, a correlation that they don't want to cover because it's going to lose them millions and billions of dollars.
0: Well, I would go even further, trillions or even bigger numbers. You know, I mean, it's just an enormous uh, question around the corner, and we have recently sent actually a letter to the Swedish Prime Minister. His name is Stefan Löfven, and uh, we wrote to him before the Corona crisis. And we put exactly your sort of thought into his head, what will happen when, uh, for instance, uh, people brain tumor patients win as they already have done in Italy, for instance, uh, when they start to win court cases in the United States of America and claiming compensations in the enormous numbers. And I know they are starting in the United States at hundred billion dollars per case. Sweden would survive two such cases because more than we will go completely bankrupt uh, because Sweden has put a lot of money into Ericsson telecommunications. And if there would be an Ericsson system put at trial and losing United States, then it would be at the end of the whole of Sweden. So we wrote to the prime minister telling him and said, hey, what is your strategy? And I don't want to sort of um, try to make a joke or anything, but his response was um, blah, blah, blah. It was no response whatsoever. And he didn't even bother to uh, write him himself. He sent it stepwise further down in the hierarchy. So it was a civil servant, a woman who answered it. And what? Uh, They are not engaged or interested at all. And so now I, every evening, you know, I go down to my, my knees and say, please, God, uh, do not make Ericsson lose such a case in the United States, you know, because then I need to sell my bicycle as well, you know. <laughs> yeah. So you know, we're talking our, about... You know, all our retirement funds, for instance, through yeah. this kind of industry sectors, you know, all our healthcare wow. all our, and so on, you know, it's everywhere, you know, and... Um, wow. Not so good.
1: No, I, I understand. I mean, we're, we're obviously talking about the effects, the harmful effects it can have on the body, especially with 5G being rolled out. And it's a more intense amount of electromagnetic frequency waves that are going to be placed on our body. So the exposure is inevitable. And specifically, let's talk about what this means for us when this 5G is completed in terms of its rollout. How are we going to experience symptoms? What symptoms should we be looking out for when 5G is rolled out? Obviously, people have already been experiencing symptoms through 4G and 3G and, and all these other iterations. But specifically, let's talk about like the physiological symptoms that people can experience uh, with, with electromagnetic frequency stress.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, to begin with, um, such rollouts, and it was the same for 2, 3, and 4G and so on, you know they are performed without any form of due diligence or pre-market testing, which has been put, uh, I would say, really to the point in the United States, in your Senate, uh, when Richard Blumenthal in February last year asked, uh, for instance, the Food and Drug Association and uh, uh, the Federal Communication Commission and the operators and so on, what kind of data they actually had on 5G proving it to be safe. And they had to answer it by saying they had not even investigated it. They had nothing to come up with. And that's unfortunately the same everywhere. Uh, As in Sweden, you know, there are no studies beforehand. And we will start to pick up, as you say, symptoms. And just looking backwards at the previous versions, my suspicion is that you would have an increased frequency, for instance, of um, uh, headaches, uh, blood pressure alterations, uh, infections, and immune system alterations. Uh, it can have effects on the fertility. Uh, here in Europe, you know, there's a dramatic reduction in the last years uh, in male sperm cell quality and count. And people are looking for the culprit. And when such studies are done in laboratories with test tubes and cell phone radiation, there's a clear-cut connection. So for me, if I was the prime minister, I would I would be more engaged, to say the least. You know, I would be pretty afraid, and I would ask myself constantly: Are we really knowing what we are doing right now? And the answer is no, you don't. And also, not only the effects on humans, you will have also to take into account, as we said before, animals, but plants as well, and maybe the most scary study and result the last years is the one from Tahirian co-workers in the United States. And they exposed ordinary bacteria, which you and I have on us right now and in us right now. And nothing much happened with the bacteria. And they used the second generation, 2G, and also a Wi-Fi router. And regardless, what they saw was that the bacteria uh, became antibiotic resistant. Which is more than a science fiction nightmare, you know. And oddly enough, 2017, when this study was published, completely uh, without knowing about each other, the G20 countries had a special meeting in Europe. Only about the fact that already then more than 25,000 and today it's more than 33,000 Europeans die prematurely because of antibiotic resistance in healthcare. You can compare that with the numbers from the COVID 19. You don't reach that kind of numbers yet from COVID-19, you know. Uh, so it's a big thing. And, you know, I immediately called a relative of mine who is an orthopedic surgeon and asked her. I said, you read about it in the newspapers now and then that antibiotic resistance has become a problem in healthcare. And she has said, problem? Are you kidding? It's an enormous issue. And if not some inventor quickly comes up with new antibiotics, we are well, I guess you would say screwed, you know. And um, she said soon people will start to die again from a splinter in their thumb mm. as they did at the end of the nineteen hundred century because we cannot save them. And uh, then suddenly, you know, the corona question uh, seems, um, well, relatively smaller <laughs> than such a perspective. Yes. And at this G20 meeting, it was calculated that by 2050, more than 10 million people worldwide would die from antibiotic resistance. Uh, But you know, if you connect the results of Tahiri and the discussions of the G20 countries and put them together, the 10 million could easily be 7.6 billion people. Wow, that's a scary number. I mean, I hope that my prime minister in Sweden is the exception and that all other kings and prime minister and presidents and whatever uh, that they are engaged in this because this is huge.
1: Yeah. And then also um, from my understanding as well, there is also a connection between EMF stress and autism and Alzheimer's disease. So we're seeing huge numbers of both autism and Alzheimer's in this country. I believe autism there's one in 10 children that are being that, that have a- autism now. Yeah. So, and, it's, and and there is a correspondence between EMF stress and these diseases. And yeah. kids these days, I mean, they're on, their, on tablets or on their phones at a very young age. So they're being exposed to this type of stress on a regular basis. You know, when you and I were children, we didn't have this type of issues, right? Cause, and, and we were able to overcome anything that was happening to us because we weren't our immune function weren't constantly compromised, but now it's, it's inevitable. So, I mean, how can we protect our children and how can we protect the elderly and how do we protect ourselves from the, uh, the ill effects of, of yeah. stress?
0: Now, these are excellent questions, you know, and before we leave the damage side, uh, unfortunately, very, very detailed and accurate science has been done in animals like rats and mice and similar, showing that exposure of their brain to everyday type radiation from cell phones and mobile telephony will destroy nerve cells and also kill nerve cells in their brains, in the exact areas where you have the association with Alzheimer's disease, for instance, including the hippocampus. Uh, And that is extremely scary. And I'm surprised that not health authorities and others react to it. But I guess, uh, as always, money speaks. It's Uh, more a question of greed and profit than of actual need. And then for protection, it's uh, interesting you bring that up because um, the last five years or even six years when I give lectures and now I'm of course stranded here in Sweden but normally I would be touring somewhere in the world. Uh, I was recently both in the United States and in England and in Italy and so on but after Christmas you cannot do it any longer. And um, um, when when I've been uh, giving my lectures, uh, more and more often people have asked exactly the question, what kind of solutions are there? And um, well, I mean, there are of course uh, possibilities. Um, This month, for instance, uh, the Polish company called Modita has launched a low radiation cell phone called Modita Pure. And in Sweden there's a fantastic company called uh, radiation protection of Sweden it's shortened RP of Sweden uh, and you can google it rpofSweden.com, I think it is and they have like um, cases you would say for cell phones tablets Wi-Fi routers etc uh, and they would reduce the radiation dramatically somewhere in the order of 70 to 99. Sometimes even 99.9% reduction and still wow. having connectivity, battery time as before, etc. Uh, so it works very elegantly. And the question is, of course, with such a dramatic reduction of the personal exposure, is that enough? <clears throat> or are you still influenced by the uh, uh, radiation from more far off uh, antennas and base stations? And uh, we would need to do, of course, studies on this. Unfortunately, I'm retired myself, and it's expensive to do any form of scientific experiments, but I'm constantly looking for, you know, some millionaire or a million people with a single dollar each, you know, either one uh, that could support such studies because, in contrast to the FDA and FCC in the United States, I want to know now before it's too late.
1: Hey, Dr. Diva here. Thank you to all my listeners who supported my book and helped to make it a huge success. You all have helped us hit number one in Barnes & Noble, number one in oncology, cancer, healing, and medical ebooks, and number 21 in all of the Kindle store. You've also helped us hit number three on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. If you haven't received your copy, you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or booksatmillion.com. Visit from doctor2patient.com to to become part of our growing community of health and wellness aficionados and to learn more. If you like our book and podcast, please go to amazon.com to write a five-star review and go to Apple Podcasts. To also write a five-star review on this podcast or any of our episodes that you've enjoyed, we need reviews to attract and secure top-notch guests for this show. Thank you so much for your support. And that's interesting that you bring up these devices that are being uh, manufactured that have the ability to curtail the amounts of radiation that are being emitted. And in our homes, we're constantly under the influence of our Wi-Fi routers and as well as our cell phones. And in the future, what we're seeing is the rollout of 5G. And in some areas around the US, 5G has already been rolled out as is areas around the other uh, in the world. My understanding is, is that the technology that's going to be built from here on out is going to incorporate the 5G. So that everything, every appliance that we have, every electronic device is gonna have some sort of like a, a chip that picks up Bluetooth and be able to emit some sort of signal. And then we have these 5G towers that are going to be constantly around us. And, and then, the, then you talk about the, the satellites that are going to be blanketing the whole Earth with 5G. So we can't escape it, even though we have devices that might be uh, manufactured to reduce the amount of, of, of uh, EMF mm-hmm. and radiation. So there's got to be something else that we can do for our own bodies because we're going to be constantly barraged to protect
0: us. I mean, any other suggestions that you might have for us? Well, I mean, you can, of course, uh, buy, for instance, uh, microwave shielding costumes and cloth, uh, but they're very heavy to carry and you get very warm inside of such a space suit arrangement. Uh, you can cover your rooms with paint and or shielding material, etc. But the question is, of course, do we want to have a society where we need to protect ourselves from the very same society? And I think most people would say no. And you talked uh, about uh, actually the Internet of Things, as it's called, depending on 5G and then the versions to come, like 6 and 7G. And um, there is a glimmer of hope, actually, because I regularly go to Finland, the neighboring country to Sweden, and do measurements because they have a very advanced, world-leading laboratory there and um, next door to them is one of the centers, the hubs really, for the development of the Internet of Things. And when I was there last time in uh, October last year, I talked with a number of CEOs from these companies, and they said that it seems that if people are kind of saturated, they don't want to have more apps in their phone, they rather want to have, like in Sweden now, a puppy or a kitten or a baby or a neighbor or someone to talk to, you know, and they don't want their refrigerator to call them uh, when they're outdoors saying, hey, you need to buy milk or something like that. You know, (laughs) adults are, after all, adults, they can manage by themselves. And these guys there in Finland, they said that very many of the companies that initially put risk money into this are now withdrawing because they feel that the market is far too small. There will be a few tech nerds that want to have all these gadgets, but there are too few to produce them. And they said that maybe autonomous vehicles like cars, buses, that kind of things. But for instance, in Sweden, when car drivers have been interviewed, practically all of them said, no way. I want to drive my own car. I don't want to have a computer doing it, even if it would be safer. Uh, So they enjoy driving the car actually, you know. And so the question is again, how would we have such a society if few cars being autonomous, the rest being non-autonomous? And in Stockholm there is right now a bus line with a bus that actually moves around by its own. And in Copenhagen, you have a a driverless train. And I mean, there are developments like that. And of course, again, the companies developing such gadgets, they want to sell them, so they are pushing. But uh, the question is if the consumers are accepting all of this. Uh, And also psychologically, I went in this metro train in Copenhagen, actually, and it was a little bit of a fun feeling, because there are no driver, no personnel, nothing. And you sit all the way up front and see the rails in front of you. And for the kids, they have glued like a panel so they could play that they are maneuvering the train. And there was a small girl, you know, playing, ding, 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 like this. It felt a little bit odd, you know, to sit there and looking down at the girl thinking, Yeah, are you and the computer in contact or not, you know? Is this going to end well? Uh, Of course, we arrived at the airport without any problem, but psychologically, Mm -hmm. maybe people would say no, thank you to this. Uh, And I could see the benefits, and there has been a number of television programs uh, about um, the general uh, robotization or automation of the workforces and with some... um, Um, or what do you say, paradoxal consequences. Uh, For instance, uh, around the corner, you would have real life-looking, life-working sex dolls putting only in Europe many millions of people out of service and work. Uh, Are we prepared for that from a society point of view? And in Sweden, it's a discussion all taxi drivers or lorry drivers or bus drivers, train drivers and so on. Well, what should they do then, you know? I mean, not everyone could be maintaining the very same systems that has made them out of work. You only need a few such experts and maybe a taxi driver is not the first to become a computer expert on a complicated autonomous right. vehicle. So you know, yeah. around the corner, we have some pretty big questions that yeah. trade after 5G slash the Internet of Things.
1: Yeah, that's actually good news because that's what my understanding was, was that there was going to be all sorts of technologies you know, that were going to be implemented in appliances and everyday items that we use that have the ability to emit a signal to our cell phones or to our routers, but that's good that people are more disinterested in those types of technologies. So that, that gives us a little bit of hope. Yeah. That we won't be yeah. constantly inundated and surrounded by, by EMF uh, frequencies. You know, um, they
0: showed a Swedish home uh, that was uh, fully automatized. Uh, you just use your voice to uh, put on or put off the radio and the television and the lights and so on. And there was a young man, you know, running around and shouting on and off and so on, you know. And then afterwards, uh, one or two days later, I had a discussion with a group of men and women and they were all um, uh, unified around that they felt the man was silly. (laughs) Uh, it looked just silly you know it it was just a silly situation and then I said yeah it works as long as it works the moment it breaks down uh, and you don't have a knob to turn on the uh, light in in the bathroom you know are you then really happy
1: so (laughs) you mentioned you you mentioned previously that we could employ some things like wearing some type of cloth or applying paint can you be a little bit more specific in terms of those types of tips that can help eliminate or prevent the excess EMF stress?
0: Yes, indeed. And um, there are companies, uh, even on the internet, where you can order that kind of paint or shielding uh, cloth and shielding metal mesh and so on. Um, It's not um, cheap to begin with, and you need to really know what you're doing. So you need a measurement equipment, which in itself could be complicated and expensive, So mostly people would turn to like a building biologist Uh, and for instance in the United States I know that it's in the order of 50 persons that are not only building biologists but they also have the extra credentials of being um, educated within the field of electromagnetic uh, radiation. And such persons, they would be able to really monitor, measure, uh, sort of objectify the whole situation and come up with a solution, a remedy. Uh, But I say again, it's not cheap and it's not uncomplicated at all. So you need to know what you're doing. And if you don't, uh, then you might even create a worse situation than before. Uh, Kind of a compromise in between. Uh, Many people use... um, uh, or what's it, what do you call a canopy you know like an insect net over your bed but it's not for insects it's a wave trap for electromagnetic signals and ma- many people report that they sleep considerably better mm-hmm. and since the sleep is really the repair phase for all cell types including brain cells it's of vital importance uh, so that could be a good start it's very Easy to set up. It's like an ordinary insect net. And uh, you just tuck it around yourself, around your bed, and then you go to sleep. And it's not that dramatically expensive. You can buy it from different companies uh, on the internet. And uh, as long as you don't, by mistake, tear a hole in it or so, it will function excellently well. And one test you can always use, and you don't need any measurement equipment at all, is to have a cell phone. Inside, it shouldn't work. Mm -hmm. Uh, If it does, Mm -hmm. then you have some kind of a leakage, you know. Right.
1: And then what about, is there anything that we can put around our cell phones to protect the emission of electromagnetic
0: only, Yeah, that would only be these um, RPO Sweden cases. Uh, I haven't been testing all other types of cases in the world. I know there is a number of manufacturers, uh, but uh, at this Finnish company, I have brought uh, to them um, different other cases, and unfortunately, they do not work. So then you just waste your money. But this Swedish RP of Sweden, uh, it does what it says. And uh, they are very good in the sense that they only talk about uh, radiation reduction. They don't say that you will not get the brain tumor later on or something like that, uh, because okay. they don't know. They cannot promise you that, but you will have... A very hefty, I would say, radiation reduction, and i've heard, I mean, since you started in your introduction to talk about the electrohypersensitive people, very, very many such persons report an excellent situation, and they write to this company, I've seen uh, letters they have sent to them telling them that they haven't been able to even use a cell phone for years, and suddenly they can like half an hour a day or 10 minutes a day or something. So it's a big revolution. And also when they cover their routers and tablets and so on, uh, they can allow themselves to be exposed at least for a shorter while each day. So evidently the reduction of radiation does something. And the question is, of course, will it do enough to keep you away for long-term effects like Alzheimer's, uh, autism as you mentioned before, cancer, et cetera. And there, we don't know yet.
1: But for the people who are listening to this podcast, I guess some simple tips that we could provide them would be to essentially put the phone on airplane mode when you're sleeping at night. You know, maybe consider shutting off the Wi-Fi router at night so that you're not constantly barraged
0: by electromagnetic frequencies. And Um, also move the phone as far as away you can from the bed. Don't tuck it into your, under your pillow or something like that. No, put it at the fore end of your flat or house and leave it there, you know.
1: Yeah. And then when we're talking on the cell phone, I'm actually guilty because I'm using Bluetooth <laughs> earbuds. Yeah. So, are there any other devices that we can substitute um, that we may use on a regular basis that would prevent us from exposure? Like, I, I guess there's some headphones that we can wear. That, yeah. are, that have air tubes, and that yeah. allow us to eliminate the signal, um, because mine I'm wearing right now has a Bluetooth signal, yeah. but I think that there are some devices like that,
0: correct? Yes, there are, and again, this uh, very same Swedish company I mentioned before, RPO Sweden, they do have, I've seen on their website, earphones that are based on other technologies, and uh, so that would be the initial start. And you should, would definitely not use any Bluetooth-based ones as you have right now. Uh, so that, that's a good suggestion, indeed. Right.
1: So those are some easy tips that we can employ just around the house. And I guess there's no real objective signs of whether or not these are improving. We just have to sit there and, and be more aware and in tune with our bodies. And we can gauge on a day-to-day whether well, these types of techniques and these strategies that we employ to reduce EMF stress will actually help
0: our bodies. And Well, um, I, I, guess- I, would, uh, I would say like this, you know, that, um, I mean, you are right. It's uh, not easy for a lay person to monitor any uh, changes, but what you can do every day, you take a sheet of paper and you have like uh, uh, 100 millimeter, 10 centimeter long uh, ruler drawn on the paper and every day you take a marker pen like I have here and you put a cross and Just summarize your day at uh, let's say six o'clock in the evening This is from a health point of view how my day was and then the next day the next day the next day And this is called the visual analog scale And then you can see over time if you kind of quickly flip them all over if this cross would move to better or stay stable, or move to worse. And that would be an indication that whatever you have done maybe works or not. And I also see that many persons very wisely, they change like what they eat, what they drink, and the amount of exercise and so on. All of that is very, very good. As long as you move your ex up to the right towards better and better, I feel healthy. Right. Basically, that's, that's really yeah, cool. it's a and very simple tool you can use. You know,
1: you were also just mentioning about um, our diet. Is there anything that we can do from a dietary perspective or from a supplement perspective to enhance our antioxidant mechanisms?
0: Well, also an extremely important question, and of course, when you travel around as I do to different countries, and I won't point out anyone, but In some countries, people do eat very badly. (laughs) It's industrialized food. It contains an enormous amount of additives, chemicals, um, sugar, other carbohydrates, and so on. And if you can get rid of all of that and instead try to listen to your health coach or physician or local doctor of some type, and include more and more fruit, vegetables, that kind of things. And also, as I said before, uh, improve in exercise. And you know, I'm happy the camera cannot tell you how I look down here, because uh, I would have to lose some weight, and I'm working on it. Because uh, uh, at the end point, you, know, you can get into trouble, and I did. I got a slight version of diabetes too, and I don't want it to increase and become worse. And therefore I've listened to the doctor who said much better food, keep away from all kinds of uh, um, sweet beverages and, and things that contain carbohydrates of different sorts, and much more exercise. So my life has really been changed, I would say. Uh, and um, it's always um, how should I put this? Um, you know, when I travel, for instance, to one country I could mention, United States. And when you go into a supermarket, uh, as a Swede and European, you immediately realize that, no, there are no cereals in the world that are purple, pink, green, (laughs) or blue, you know. But kids there, they believe there are. And also the smell in such a food store, it's reeking of chemicals, you know. Uh, So as a European, you just want to get out of it. Uh, Here in Sweden, the situation is maybe a lot better, I guess. Uh, But of course, there are things here that are not good. And especially the overconsumption, as I am a good example of, that you eat too much and exercise too little.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's important. I guess a good take-home message really for everyone is that you need to have a good foundation from a health yeah. perspective. If you yes. have a good foundation in terms of eating healthy, doing exercise, and you know, watching the quantity of foods that you're putting into your body, then you'll have a good foundation where you could actually withstand some of the EMF stresses that we're going to be facing in everyday life. However- yeah. If you're living a poor lifestyle where you're constantly eating a poor diet, you're on the brink of obesity, then you're putting your, yourself in a situation where you're not going to be able to withstand some of these uh, stresses that are, are going to be placed in our society. So I think that's a really good take-home message. Before we depart, I want to ask you, because there's all sorts of questions that are going around on the internet with relations to coronavirus and 5G rollout. Is there any correlation at
0: all? Um, It's very difficult to answer sort of straightforward. If we go back to studies done in the mid 1990s, Italian scientists headed by Professor Grimaldi uh, demonstrated that um, already activated viruses could be even more activated, not by 5G radiation, but power frequent electromagnetic fields in the low frequency ranges, like you have a 60 hertz utility system, and we have 50 hertz here, uh, and of course, a handheld cell phone is the strongest source uh, you have for such power frequent fields. So, well, anything is possible, uh, although I'm hesitant whether it has really played any role right now, uh, and um, but further research will reveal the answer and um, you know right now everything and anything is possible but still i would be a little bit surprised if there is an association because you know if you look for culprits uh, in different countries uh, most of them have not had any 5g whatsoever they have still become dramatically ill Uh, and when you look for other culprits like Heavy smoking, as you said, bad food consumption, lack of exercise, etc., cetera, etc cetera. I mean, they're all there, and they are much more likely factors to be interacting here, especially at the bacterial level. People talk about coronavirus. That's true, but most patients die from bacterial infections. That come as a second train, kind of, you know. Uh, so, uh, and of course, if you have been heavily smoking, your lungs are completely destroyed. A uh, minuscule bacterial infection would kill you anyhow.
1: Right. So, so if anything, but, there's not a direct correlation. No, there might no, there might be an no. indirect because of our lifestyle. Could be. I
0: would be still be surprised. You know. Yeah.
1: Well, Ali, I appreciate you so much for taking the time out of your busy day and joining me.
0: Hopefully one day we'll, we'll meet in person. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Thank you so much and good luck in the future.
1: Thank you.